Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, right here on Apple Podcasts. Tune in and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, uh, in the house. And today we are going to have a great show, episode 236. And in the house, we are going to have the founder of XFFL Texas, and that is the uh, George Kuros and the New South Texas Generals head coach, Daniel, uh, Daniel P. Yapondo. They're going to be here in about uh, an hour or so. Uh, we're going to talk basically the success of one and their exciting uh, new season that's coming up with the expansion up to 12 teams. Um, so that's going to be great. We're also going to be talking NFL week two preseason as we get going here. And uh, as we get closer to the NFL kickoff, as we come up to, uh, you know, the excitement that's always going to be NFL. So this, this uh, winter, a lot of changes, brand new faces, um, so that's pretty awesome, and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit here. Also, the offseason in women's gridiron, so if you're in the United States, um, the IWFL and the WFA, which is the two primary leagues that people follow, they're in offseason mode, so if you want information on tryouts near your zip code or region, it is WFAProFootball.com and IWFLSports.com. If you're in Canada, it's the www.cfl.ca, uh, as well as the Maritime. Uh, you can catch the Maritime, I believe, on Facebook only. But uh, those those are the uh, links or the websites that you can go to to get details uh, if you want to participate in any team in Canada, United States. Uh, down south, the excitement this week is the second annual uh, Mexican Federation of Women's Gridiron Tournament. The selection uh, process begins for the next championships, the IFAB World Championships. So this year versus last year, last year there was only two leagues, Lexpo and FX Mexico, which primarily uh, did the competition over in Chiapas. And so this year it has expanded to uh, three groups. Um, we want to thank uh, Maximo Advance and uh, Tercer Cuarto. If you go to our Facebook page, they've been uh, hyping up the event all week. And they're going to be pretty much broadcasting the event live from Merida, Yucatan, as the second annual selection process for the uh, Mexican Federation Women's Gridiron as the, the teams uh, collectively join in Merida to figure out who's going to be the top women in Mexico that will represent the next uh, women's uh, bronze titleist at the IFAB World Championships. So pretty exciting times in Mexico. Let's bring in our co-host. We will not have... Uh, Troy Wilson or Mackenzie Brooks today or Tracy Brick, uh, but we will have the um, WFA All-Star as well as the IWFL Championship quarterback, Louise Bean, in the house. And so uh, Troy couldn't make it today. Uh, we hope he's in good spirits, and uh, uh, something happened with the, in, an incident there, and so we're, um, from what I hear, he's in good, good state right now, so that's good news for us. And so uh, other than that, Mackenzie's under the weather, and Tracy uh, is overworked, as usual, and she'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, kind of in the same boat you are, I think, uh, Holly, overworked. 
Oh, definitely. I, uh, <clears throat> if I don't have 12 things going on in my life at the same time, I don't know what to do with myself. You're going to have to add a family member to that mix just to make it a little bit more interesting, I think. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where if we have nothing to do when I'm hanging out at home, I, I kind of don't know what to do with myself. And then my wife's like, wait, you can just relax. It's okay. <laughs> what is like, relax? Oh, wait, let me, go, let me go clean. Let me go do this. I have stuff to do. I know I do. <laughs> yeah, that happens. I mean, I'm pretty sure Bean can relate with two kids and a husband, so. The way it works sometimes. Oh, man. Too, so. I got three. Don't shortchange me. I got three and a husband. Well, yeah. Um, the number doesn't <laughs> matter, as my mother would say. It's just the <laughs> amount of tasks that you have to get done. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, some of them are more productive than others. That's what my mother told us. So uh, <laughs> She's some of us contribute more than others. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. the lazy group, and then there's the motivated, overly hyper group that you got to calm down to. So. Um, but anyways, um, a huge event in Mexico, uh, Holly and, uh, and Luis here. It's the second annual selection process for uh, the Mexican Federation, which we're having, you know, we had rocky roads to get to Vancouver, of course. But now they're so, somewhat supportive. And so the two main leagues in Mexico, which is, you know, what you consider the IWFL and the WFA here in the States, which is FX Mexico and um, Lexfa, uh, the primary, you know, t- the primary uh, uh, a talent pool that came from for the team over that won the bronze. So um, Holly and Merida, it's going to be like three groups now. So the excitement in Mexico is building up to the point where uh, more regions are actually getting on board w- with the Federation in terms of a process mode. And now they, mm-hmm. this is a situation where it's a selection process. It's sort of like the, the USA tryouts prior to the, you know, to get to who's going to be rostered. So they're starting pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I think I am excited. I mean, Mexico has been a, a country that has seen tremendous growth uh, in football, especially the last couple of years here. And so I like what they're doing. Um, I'm a big fan of any time you have uh, – anytime you set up uh, an environment of competition, I think it only makes um, the individual players better. And the product better on the field, so I think it's exciting. Uh, Holly, the fact that we have—I don't know if you saw our, our Facebook page on Great Beauties, but the fact that we have three groups of, I think, an average of it's four, three, so yeah, twelve, twelve teams competing. Uh, primary two two selection squads from FX Mexico, two selection squads from Lexfa, and the remaining are made up of the coastline, uh, Safa and um, Nuevo Leon, Monterey, I believe, and, and over in Merida and Yucatan as well. So the, the, the fact that a lot of the players in Mexico we've talked about before, they're very flag savvy. They play flag football most year-round. It is basically the optional to the full kit mentality, but now that's changed. So a lot of them really are playing uh, what you call legend-style play down south, in, in, in between their flag season, and now some of them being, you know, they're doing both of those, and all of a sudden they, they want to take up the challenge of the full kit league. So the the interest is growing. Yeah, I, I think 
I think it's a it's a great thing, especially when we get to the point where you're talking about international play, when you have the, the select teams uh, competing against each other. Uh, it's only going to help uh, the process of knowing who the um, players are that are going to be ready for that level. And as far as flag is concerned, I mean, that happens all around the world. That happens here as well. <clears throat> There's a lot of various um, flag leagues, even in uh, the Washington area, that people like to play in. And for me, like flag is a is a really great sport, but I actually struggle in flag because I'm so physical. I want to hit people, and you're not necessarily allowed to do that in flag, so I get in trouble a lot. And <laughs> it's a little bit different um, style as far as you don't really have a zone lineman play. <clears throat> and in flag as you would in uh, full kit football. Um, but I'm excited to see that people are looking to, to cross over. I like playing flag, but I prefer full kit football. It's just, you know, kind of my personality. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good team that they're starting to switch over. Now, uh, we got to note that the IFAB uh, flag world championships happened in Panama and Team USA did win. So congratulations to the girls out there that competed in Panama for the IFAB Flag World Championships this past, uh, I believe this past week or so. So uh, I believe Katie Sowers, I mean, like Katie Sowers, Liz Sowers is on the team as well. So uh, congratulations to Team USA there uh, at the tournament in Panama. Um, Louise, what do you think of the excitement that's building up this week? It's huge. It's a huge tournament. This is this is building up to the next tournament that we're we're anticipating, which is the you know the the transatlantic tournament over in, in the UK so in in the world scheme of things you know off uh, off the US uh continent as they say uh this sport is just the interest is just exploding with all the girls wanting to play this sport oh yeah for sure uh you know what's ironic is that i live in a town that has no flag football for even guys it's just crazy like who 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 lives that way and it's a town of 60,000 people. So, yeah, it's just more of a winter state, I guess. They just don't do it. I think it's crazy. Um, yeah, I definitely – Mexico has a lot of different leagues, the tackle plus the lingerie plus the flag. Yeah, I did see the USA girls did really well. Um, there's some great athletes. I'm really excited and interested to see that uh, the transatlantic um, tournament that's going to happen that New York's going to because uh, I've watched that Helsinki team play, and – they're not bad. Te- they're a good team, and they're undefeated this year. And I think it just brings um, not just region teams together or state teams together. It brings. I mean, Finland is not close, and New York's not close. I mean, I, I guess, uh, perspectively speaking, they're just New York can fly to uh, Birmingham in one trip, and same with Helsinki. But still, I just think that's really cool connects women who are playing. I think there's the, the three teams that are going are good teams. It's another one of those formats where it's a short, um, you just have a three-day tournament. And so and I think all eyes in America are going to be watching New York, obviously, because they're America's team in this, and it's the last football that that team unit will be playing. And so I think that will be great. So, Holly, the transatlantic tournament, no different than Mexico in a lot of ways because it's building up to it. But Helsinki, congratulations to the Wolverines. They won 55-12. to 12. They beat the St. Petersburg Valkyries, uh, the Russian team that competes in the Maple League. Uh, so this is their back-to-back championship. 
the 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 Helsinki team, Holly, they got to be totally stoked. They're going to go to uh, London or Birmingham, and now they're going to compete against two other top tier teams in the world. Basically, the BAFA Women Champion Birmingham Lions and the WFA Division Two Champion uh, New York Sharks. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's um, a great opportunity for Finland. Um, that the Helsinki team is, it has been a force for a while. Uh, I was watching uh, a bit of that uh, Wolverines uh, broadcast, and by the way, their broadcast uh, team does a really great job. I don't necessarily yeah. understand everything that's happening, but I, <laughs> I like I like the the footage, and they treat it very professionally. So hats off to them with that. Um, and I think uh, Finland, you know, I had. Uh, uh, Bean and I have a mutual teammate, uh, Jasmine Teeters, that played in Finland, uh, you know, way back in the day. And her experience over there was was awesome. And everybody that I have known that has played over there has really enjoyed it. I think they do a really good job of cultivating talent uh, locally and, and abroad. And I think they've been building towards this. So um, I think they have a really good opportunity to, to play some high-level football. Yeah, and you have players on the U.S. like Leah Kozla still playing there. You got uh, a while back Courtney Powell was playing there. So there's a bunch of U.S. players that do migrate over to Finland. It is a more competitive league in a way because it's a smaller, a smaller league. So we're looking at about a, a, a what a four-man squad, so six-man, a six-man setup, sort of what you do in um, in Grand Queensland right now. So it's it's more competitive because you play each other more frequently. I think that's the reason that they get better and better almost every week up to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing the same teams multiple times, it um, it becomes a game within a game where you learn each other's strengths and weaknesses to the point where you know that team knows you, so you have to counter their counter or anticipate that, and it's a it's a chess game, and that that's pretty fun and it uh, produces. Uh, a better product in the long run. So um, I I think it's awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's it's interesting to see how outside of our borders we start to see the uh, evolution of the sport and the passion and love for the sport. I, I can tell you right now, talking to the Mexico girls just on Messenger, they are totally stoked for the next world championship. I mean, their attitude is gold. You know what I mean? They're just – and so – this selection process this weekend, the 23rd to the 26th, is going to be very competitive for a lot of a lot of women out in Mexico. Considering there's 12 squads, I mean the coaching, uh, whoever's doing the, the selection process and the coaching, just becomes way harder. I mean that's the, hopefully the point is to to make it to the point where uh, the selection process is is difficult. But you know we um, had an opportunity to play. Um, uh, a team from Mexico a few years ago, and I was really impressed by them, and I was really impressed by their uh, uh, their outing in the international tournament. And I think um, I think Mexico is is a key place to look out for as far as the next uh, tournament. Yeah, it would be nice. Wouldn't it be great? I, I was talking to one of the coaches. Wouldn't it be great to have the next IFAB World Championship at Azteca Stadium? It's literally that would be the the, the huge spectacle you know what I mean the NFL's been there everything's been there just to have it at that historic stadium would be just a huge moment for women's uh, women's football I think that'd be awesome 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a historic stadium in that sense in Mexico. It's like the, the stadium to be in Mexico. But uh, so, they're, you know, they're working towards it right now. I talked to Echel, who we talked to uh, previous, in previous podcasts, who was the founder of FXO Mexico, and she does an amazing job. And now she's working exclusively within the, within the federation. As you can see, the fruit of her labor, the 12 years that she's put in for the branding on her side, not, not including Lexpo as well, uh, both of those leagues have literally elevated the game in Mexico to a point where now it's relevant. And now we have this huge 12 squad selection process and, you know, their, their goal is to get to the next world championship and make an impact. So uh, exciting moments in Mexico, basically. Um, let's go overseas before we go into NFL preseason here. So um, uh, being over in Germany, the division one uh, playoffs literally are almost set here. Uh, Berlin versus Cologne Falconets, uh, and then it's going to be Munich Cowboys taking on Hamburg Amazons. So that's going to be the the matchup there in Division One. Berlin, multi-time champions, uh, including seven, eight years in a row, nine years in a row, most. So they own the uh, you know the German league, number one league, and then Cologne Falconets come in strong last year. Uh, Munich and and Hamburg right next to them. September 22nd and September 23rd uh, is the uh, tentative date for the Lady Bowl, which is their finals championship up in Germany. Then Division Two quarterfinals, the last game of the quarterfinals will be played this weekend. Stuttgart Scorpions undefeated versus Algu Comets. And then this past weekend, the Cologne Ronin uh, beat the Spandu Bulldogs 28-13. The Erlingen Sharks Hurricanes, and then the Hamburg Blue Devils, 35 to 26 over the Bochum Miners. So very competitive end of season matchups, sort of like the WFA playoffs. Uh, so it's you know Cologne Ronan is a very good team. The Sharks are a very good team, and so we're going to be looking at a dogfight here to uh, in Division Two as to who's going to get the crown. You know, I used to live in Austria, and uh, obviously it borders Germany, and I'm just really impressed, and so I spent a lot of time in Germany traveling around, and I'm just really impressed with the country in the sense that there's it's not a huge country, and they're able to have that many teams and have a German league right within their own country. I, I mean, it's much smaller than Utah, Um you can traverse it on the train quite easily. So I'm just really impressed with the growth just in that single country, which I don't know what makes it different. Like you don't hear about an Austrian league. You don't hear about the Swiss league. And those are other neighboring bordering countries. And then, of course, you have the the league in Spain, but in England and just the stuff like that. So I'm impressed that they're able to do so well and seemingly be put together and – you know, obviously they have the, the two different divisions. So, you know, hats off to them and just the growth of the sport there. It'll be interesting to see the next time in three years when we have the, the tournament, the federation tournament, and you have different representatives from different countries, how far along these countries will be and how they'll represent. I mean, I saw an advertisement, I think it was on your page where you advertised, the Gridiron Beauty page, for the Australian team taking – um, applications for their next uh, national team. And, you know, it's three years out. So there's people around the world that are taking this sport pretty seriously. 
Yeah, and the German league top notch. It is very good. It's it's been in you know long time in history. The G the GFL as well in on the men's side has been very exceptional. So this is really good. The Berlin Cobras. I mean, both organizations, whether on the men's side or the, or the women's side, have done tremendously for this league. Uh, Division one is a little bit more of a dogfight and more uh, more tough. Division two has gotten elevated a little bit more this year. So uh, we're going to be looking uh, keeping tabs on it. And we're going to come up uh, on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties and check out some of the highlights from some of our network partners that provide us with uh, still photos as well as video. So we'll go ahead and um, kind of share that out for you guys. Um, the other thing that's going on is in Brazil, the Copa de Brasil Feminine. Uh, that is uh, over in Brazil. And that is the uh, World Cup, uh, the, well, the, the Cup, the Women's Cup. And it is a week one. It was Sao Paulo Spartans. Uh, that was July 29th. 12 to 6, they lose to the Curitiba Silverhawks. Week 2, the Brasilia Pilots versus the uh, Araku Alpha. And you can catch the uh, video and highlights and the full game on our uh, Great Air Beauties page. 44 to 0, shutout. And coming up week 3 here, it was Rio de Janeiro uh, versus the Curitiba Lions. So that was uh, August, uh, going to be August 18th. That's 39 to 0. You can watch it there. The Brazil, I believe there was. Uh, the Rio de Janeiro. And then on week four, coming up here, Sinope Coyotes will be taking on the Brasilia Pilots. From the Brasilia Pilots uh, info that I got, they will probably be doing a live game streaming anyway, so we'll catch it and we'll re- replay the YouTube video or a, a Facebook live video on our Gridiron Beauties page. So right now, early on in the, mat, in the uh, Women's Cup uh, that goes through, I believe, September... September 15th is the last game. It's Group A and Group B. There's basically six teams competing in this league. So hats off to the Brasilia Pilots for their 44-0 win against Araku Alpha. You can catch the game on a Greer and Beauties page as well via the video there. Uh, the other action that happened this weekend, and we were all over it, based on our partners down in Mexico, and really appreciate everybody down there. It is the Women Football League Mexico, which is legend-style play. The 2018 semifinals, Toluca Red Devils, 40 to 33, build, uh, defeating the Rebeldas, uh, the Juarez Rebels, basically in English, uh, and the V Queens, 64 to six, they defeat the Black Mambas, and then the grand final is going to happen here September 1st. You can catch the uh, game live highlights and previews of all the media attention that they got this weekend, uh, WFL on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties, and you can read up on that as well with Google Translate. Um, and then it's Red Devils versus V Queens. Uh, both teams top-notch in Women's Football League in the WFL. And so it's going to be a great clash coming up September 1st, and we'll keep you updated on all the uh, pregame hype up to the championship at this point. So that's pretty awesome there. Then we can't forget this weekend, um, this past weekend was Chicago Bliss uh, defeated the Omaha Heart 76-0. And so Legends Cup is September 8th in Austin, Texas. Conference finals happen uh, August 25th, and this is going to be this weekend, L.A. versus Austin, a rematch of in, the, uh, in week season. And then Chicago versus Nashville, undefeated both squads, 4-0 against 4-0. So, Holly, uh, the Bliss and the Knights, uh, the Knights have all-stars pretty much. you got Stevie Snore, K.K. Matheny. Uh, you got pretty much a lot of all-stars. And then you're taking on Chicago Bliss, which is co- Coach Hack. Jane Conwell, Javel Thompson, uh, Chantel Taylor. So a clash of two very, very good teams. 
Um, this is one of those things where you can mock the schedule as you had mocked the schedule in, in the WFA. We say, oh, they don't play anybody or whatever. Uh, Nashville played their schedule. Uh, and I think they were thinking at the beginning of the season that Nashville was supposed to be the expansion team. And so it didn't turn out that way because the Seattle girls migrated to Nashville. So it's a, it's a, it's a dual class here. Uh, Coach Hack's pretty familiar with Danica Brace and uh, obviously uh, Coach Michelson from the Seattle days. So it's kind of like no strangers here, just a different location for Nashville. So what's your thought? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, in uh, my opinion, the biggest game of the, of the season uh, so far. I think they're uh, both pretty good teams. Um, it's uh, really nice to see a, another name in Nashville being kind of in the spotlight. But they do have a lot of uh, talent that came over into their expansion team. Um, so it's not quite surprising, but it's still nice when you see a new team uh, that's up at that level. Um, so I'm interested to, to see if Nashville can kind of uh, take over that top spot or if Chicago is still um, going to uh, hold reign um, in that game. So I'm interested to see what happens. Now, Holly, the uh, Jane Conwell has always been kind of like questioned whether she can get to the next level because Chicago has, has had a history of quarterbacks where Heather Furr was there for a long time. And then you had Jacinda Barkley, the, the Aussie, who did really well for two seasons and got them to Legends Cup. So it, this is kind of like a game for Jane Conwell kind of to stand out because we know what K.K. Matheny can do as a quarterback. She's very durable and very reliable. So it, 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 this is kind of like it, it's going to be a Chicago moment for her if she beats up, if she takes care of the Knights with all the talented Knights with Jay, Jay Randall and uh, Stevie Snore and K.K. Matheny. Yes, definitely. I think anytime you have um, a quarterback in, in that situation, uh, they want to make their mark. This is the chance uh, for them to kind of prove themselves. And so I think if she comes out and uh, she has a good game against the Knights, even if they don't uh, prevail, if she just at least has a competitive game, then that's going to go a long way uh, to help her further in her career as well as later down the season. So it's a big, big opportunity for her, too. Yeah. I t- uh, Bean, what do you think of, of Caldwell versus Matheny? Matheny's pretty durable, very reliable, very consistent. Uh, Caldwell has played uh, a lot in this in this league. You know, she went from L.A. to Atlanta, and now she's in Chicago. So literally this is sort of a situation where, like I said, she's she's fallen in the footsteps of two two other quarterbacks that did elevate this team to championship level. So that's always in the back of her mind. Well, I just read a quote recently um, because I follow my college. Uh, my college is BYU, and they're in the middle of um, a quarterback. Who's going to be the quarterback, the the senior or the incoming fresh freshman? And one of the quotes was, you always play talent over experience. And, you know, sometimes, because you've got the, long, the longer standing quarterback with all the experience, and you know what, that can definitely play a role. And then you have the younger one that hasn't, um, uh, very talented, durable, those kind of things. When I say younger, just not as many years. Uh, I don't know their ages. But um, I just sometimes I really think it comes down to coaching and who's got the best, uh, plan, and then who can implement it the best. So, and then sometimes it's just the luck of the draw and who, who how the ball bounces. And so, um, 
that's what I see. That'll be what I see will be interesting. All right, so let's let's pick a winner here. Uh, Holly, are you going to take the Bliss over the Knights here, or are we taking the uh, all-star squad of the Knights, your former Seattle uh, you know, squad out there to take care of the Bliss? I think I think I'm gonna um go with the Knights just because they have uh a bit more um experienced uh, they have players that are a bit more experienced on, on this kind of level. Um I think the Chicago team can definitely win, but uh, they're gonna have to take care of the ball, not turn it over. Um but I'm I'm gonna give a small nudge to the Knights. All right, Bean, are we going with the Knights or are we going with the Bliss in this matchup? Oh, well, you know, I was 3 and 0 on all the WFA championships. And so, and uh I don't want to ruin my streak, but um I think I'm going with Chicago. I think I'm going with Upstart Chicago and uh, I think they I think they might be able to pull it off. All right. So we'll go to Chicago. On the other side, Holly, we got the LA Temptation 1 and 3 they get in and and your Seattle miss up in Seattle they get edged when they lose to Atlanta there. And Michelle Angel played her heart out this year over for the Miss. The Miss squad was kind of a brand-new squad. They, you know, they played their hearts out. So they, they deserve to be here, but they just couldn't get it done. And somehow Los Angeles gets second life, and we hear that uh, Ashley Salerno, the legendary quarterback, Ashley Salerno, is coming back. Uh, a little bit of rust. She hasn't played in, what, two years? We're going to slop her in. And you, on the other side, you have the Austin Acoustic, who has played lights out ball all year long, minus a couple, you know, one game that Tashay Winfrey didn't really do a good job in terms of turnovers and everything else. But uh, Austin is one step closer to hosting Legends Cup. So this is this is this Austin's team, uh, you know, a game to lose, or is this uh, LA's redemption game? Um, I think it's I think it's Austin's game to lose. Um, at this point, I mean, um, I think they, they definitely, their defense needs to, to step it up a, a little bit in this game. Um, but I think at this point, and then I get the nudge to Austin, I just think they've been a little bit more consistent this year. I think LA might be able to, to bring um, some talent off the bench, like you were saying, um, but it's hard to come off the bench when you haven't played in a minute. Even if you're a really good talent, it's just the the pace of the game is difficult, and that you can't really get into football shape without actually. Um, and so that's going to be tough. Um, so I'm going to give the nudge to Austin. All right, being uh, at this point, you know Salerno's been very consistent. She's won Legends Cup before. Um, she was a multi-time champion in Los Angeles, but the last two years she's been pretty much absent with things off the field and everything else. And now we're going to plug her in against Austin. So is this, is this to Shea Winfrey's game to lose too? Is this something where she's got to shine just like Jane Conwell? Uh, I'm totally going Austin. They've had a good season and that's what I'm, I'm going with Austin. They got a lot of firepower, but, but Oscar, you've got to make a prediction because you're the third wheel in this and we got to have a, we got to have you knowing which way you're going. I'm going with Lilani Lopez, and I'm going with Austin. Lilani Lopez, she's my favorite baller, so I'm going with Lilani Lopez. Game? On the other side, I, I can't, I, I cannot go against the Chicago <laughs> D. I cannot yeah. go against Chicago. You know, Kristen Morrison, Chantel Wiggins, uh, Chantel uh, uh, Taylor. Um, you know, uh, it's just they're just too much, too much good defense. Allie Alberts, there's no way I can go against the Chicago D. 
Chicago D's is mad. And that's like, like at six front and they're they, in close and coach hack coach hack. As we talked about it last week, how bold is this uh, Holly last week? Uh, he was interviewed and, and they said, Hey, you're going up against Omaha and Bobby Yuko just kind of teased at him. Hey, you know, you still got to play the game against the Omaha heart. And guess what? This past weekend, he literally almost had to eat his words because for two quarters, the, the Omaha Heart had them only 8-0 to zero for almost up to halftime. And this was supposed to be a crappy team, he claimed. And he almost had it to where if Omaha would have put it together a little bit, he might have been, uh, <laughs> he might have been embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any time, I mean, even if it's a foregone conclusion that you're not playing, but the game that you're playing isn't for anything specific or anything on the line, you still have to play the game, and you might want to not make a prediction like that and uh, wait until the game's actually over before you say anything because it, it might bite you. So um, that almost got him. Yeah, the second half was literally they took it over, but the first half you could see in his face was like, why are we letting this team hang around? <laughs> and literally Omaha was not that great because it looked like Omaha didn't have much practice. They looked like all the players were just, like, not in sync. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. But I just think, again, lesson learned, don't talk until you're done. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, he did, He was very bold about it. Oh, I'm not worried about Omaha. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's pretty bold. <laughs> that's, co- that's Coach uh, 101. You don't do that. No, I know. <laughs> but he does. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what do you guys think of the Omaha experiment? I think, you know, coaching change at this point, uh, very, not very consistent. They finally get Lindsay Noble in, Kay, but it just seems like the team was not all there and the coaching's not all there. So the, the question or the stuff that I get is they're either going to pull the plug on the team for next season or they're going to just revamp the whole coaching staff. But I, I really think the coaching staff, the players, I think there's talent there, just a matter of coaching. Uh, coaching makes a, a big difference, um, and I think <clears throat> I guess it <clears throat> depends on how the league views how successful they were as far as attendance and, and that slide. But I, I don't think they should put a pull the plug this quick. I think they should maybe allow different coaching staff an opportunity with the players uh, before they pull the plug on it. I mean, they only have so many teams in the league anyway. Um, you might as well, if you're already um, set up, you might as well give it a little bit more of um, of an opportunity to see what happens. Um, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the case probably at this point um, because it's just it just seems like there's a lot of talent there, and there's just no reason, you know, if, if you get a coaching staff in there that can do their, their thing, it might work out a lot better. So we're looking at um, this coming weekend, L.A., versus um, Austin, and you're looking at Chicago versus Nashville, and you can catch it, I believe, uh, via the LFL channel as well. So um, the other thing before we go into NFL Week 2 preseason here is our uh, no-joke football supporter, Christy Moran, just tearing it up over in uh, Gridiron, Queensland, as well as Lauren Evans, our no-joke football athlete, Lauren Evans. So uh, Queensland, uh, August 18th, first week. It was 78-0, to zero. Stingrays taking on the new, uh, new team Raptors, and then it was the Ravens 42-0 to zero against Thunder. 
Then we have August 25th coming up here. Um, it's going to be a clash. It's going to be Ravens Raptors, which uh, I don't know if they're going to do any better than they did in week one. And then you got Stingrays Thunder. So I, the anticipation here is week uh, three, which is September 1st. That's when the Stingrays will meet the Ravens. So uh, this year it's kind of revamped. It's only a four-team setup. Uh, it's been crunched down uh, because of some teams not wanting, not couldn't field players and stuff like that. So they kind of crunched them down. Uh, the legendary uh, Logan City Logan City Jets had to basically uh, take a hiatus, and some of their players went on the Stingray side. So um, Bean, at this point, it's really a Stingrays Ravens uh, run until the end, uh, unless the Raptors and Thunders can kind of step up and upset during this short uh, season. Well, it's too bad Tracy's not here because she would have super, super in-depth knowledge on it since that's her homeland. Um, I just think it'll be interesting to see what will happen. I think think the Ravens will continue to do their thing and uh, just play good football. Yeah, and the Stingrays are not too bad either. And so, like I said, it's going to be kind of a – this is the same setup that we have in Finland where they are going to meet up pretty much uh, I think it's almost eight weeks and they're going to meet up every other weekend or every other you know weekend it's going to happen that way so it's going to make each team a little bit stronger uh November 3rd is the last game of the season and that's going to be uh pretty awesome so you get Ravens uh Stingrays September 1st and I think you get Ravens uh, Ravens Stingrays round two September 22nd you get Ravens round three and against Stingrays round three October 27th so that's going to be the key matchups there in Greater and Queensland. But congratulations to the Ravens and the Stingrays for uh, excellent start to their season. And then uh, the rest of the leagues are going to start. Um, the Czech, the Czech uh, Republic League will start in September 1st. We're going to be all over it. And then the rest of the Gridiron West will start. Um, so check, check us out on Gridiron Beauties, and you can keep tabs on everything that's going on in the women's game at, at, on Facebook. Um, okay, so Holly – uh, Lamar Jackson's uh, got some growing pains over in Baltimore. So do we start Robert Griffin? Um, not quite. Um, I think I think Lamar still has – it's going to be a project. I think Lamar is going to be a project. I think he is one of those guys um, – I was listening to somebody on the, on the radio this morning – um, that was saying, and I think it's a fair point, that a lot of uh, dual uh, uh, action quarterbacks are done a disservice when they're young um, because coaches, when they're young, just want to win, so they don't teach them a lot of fundamentals. They just kind of um, to win games and pass them up the line, and by the time they get to the NFL, there's some of the stuff that they have never heard of, and it, it just it takes a minute to, to develop a lot of those guys. So I think Lavar is a very good talent. I think he's just going to um, take some time. So Robert uh, RG three uh, should make his mark in Baltimore, right? Right next to behind Flacco at this point. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think it's still Flacco's team. I think that um, you know I'm excited to see give RG three you know another opportunity. I think. I feel bad for him a little bit. He got banged up. I don't think they quite used him right um, when he was uh, in Washington, and so I'm anxious to see if he gets another opportunity there. All right. Uh, Bean, what do we say of Andrew Luck? 
Um, are we looking for a huge, you know, uh, performances this year as, as he coming back off the shoulder injury here, uh, you know, forcing passes into the red zone? Uh, what do you think of the shoulder? Is it 100% you think? Well, I definitely think he probably feels personal pressure and then also from the fan standpoint pressure to want to prove that he is as good as he was. Uh, he didn't have a good game yesterday, but they're going to play him more this next game. And and obviously he missed all last season. And so you can do a lot of drills and all those kind of things, and you can do scrimmages and practices, but it's just different. And I was reading something where they were saying – uh, the best thing was is that he got he fell on his shoulder and he got back up and everything was okay. So uh, I'm sure he wants to do better. And it's the preseason, and so and he'll start the season. So he's got a long he's got a long rope. All right, Holly, what do we say of the Chargers? So so far they, you know, they struggled uh, to defend the run against the Cardinals in Week One, but obviously not all the starters are playing at this point. Uh, but, you know, uh, what do we say of the Chargers? And then what do we even say of the Seahawks at this point? With Is it Russell Wilson season again? Like, going to have to solve the season by himself? So, um, the start um, was on the Chargers' side. Um, so, they, they beat the Seahawks 24-14. Uh, I think that game is a positive for the Chargers. Because last year they were almost dead last in the league in rushing, and they put up 175 yards on the Seahawks. And but that's hard because preseason. And on top of that, you don't know how much of that is the Chargers and how much of that is the Seahawks defense struggling. Um, but um, uh, Dietrich uh, Newsom had a really great game for the Chargers. He had. Uh, almost 80 yards rushing and a touchdown, which is a really good game for a rookie. Um, so there's some positives there with the Chargers, and I really think they need to get that uh, running game going if they're going to uh, turn the corner this year. Uh, they have, you know, Philip Rivers. They have a lot of talent. Um, but if they can get a running game to provide a little bit more balance, it will make Phillips more effective. Um, so I think a really good showing for them. It's a bit early, but we'll see. Uh, on the Seahawks side, you know, they had basically a fire sale this off season, and the Seahawks kind of reminded me of that uh, used car salesman uh, on the commercial with the wacky inflatable man saying, you know, come on down, I'm selling everything, ridiculous prices, ridiculous prices, come on down. That's what the Seahawks were doing all off season. And so now, you know, they – I really think it's going to be the Russell show. I mean, I really – I like Penny, um, the running back. He's a little dinged up right now, so he didn't play – on this last game, uh, his health is going to be a key issue. If he gets dinged up a lot this year, then it's going to go right back to the running back by committee, which is going to be a huge problem for Russell because it has not worked the last three seasons for them. Uh, and they also need to find at least a second receiver to help uh, Baldwin out. Um, you know when it's third and, or fourth and long, Russell's going to scramble and find Baldwin, but they, they need somebody to – uh, help um, uh, Baldwin uh, by having some looks as well to take the defense's attention away. Um, and then on the other side, on the defensive side, the Seahawks, you know, you look at it, you're like, well, they still have Bobby Wagner, who's I think the most underrated linebacker in um, in the league. He's okay to your right. He's, he's pretty damn good. And then you have 
Shaquille Griffin has actually played really well. He's been all over the place. He has a natural nose for the ball. He He's always in on plays, even if it's not directly to him, which is good. But I think the real problem is going to be, are they going to be able to get a rush on the quarterback? You know, they have lost a lot of people out front. Are they going to be able to replace that? Um, allowing 175 yards to a horrible rushing team is not a good sign. So we'll see what happens. It is the preseason, so I try not to take too much stock in it. Um, but it's going to be interesting for both teams. Bean, what do we say of Trubisky to Burton in Chicago? Pretty good game, um, pretty good completions. I mean, that's a, this is a tight end, pretty good tight end, actually. And so this could be the key to Chicago kind of uh, elevating their game this year. You know, before we leave the Chargers thing real quick, Chargers are playing uh, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees are heading off this week. And so – It'll be interesting to see how much they each play since they used to be on the same team together, and it's been written that there's no no great love between them. So I always like well, watching and hearing about those things. But um, Chicago, just so many years of futile quarterback play and and trying to, uh, you know, love their quarterback and then just always failure. So I think I think there's a lot of love for Trubisky. Oh, gosh, say his name again. Trubisky. Trubisky. Trubisky, yeah. Trubisky. Trubisky, yeah, there you go. I think there's a lot of love and hope for what he can bring, and I think there's been a lot of talk that this will be his breakout year. So I that's an interesting one to watch. That's in the Midwest, and it's not in the NFC East, which is my division um, with Dallas and uh, Phoenix. And so I naturally pay more attention to my two teams. Um, but I, I definitely like seeing upstart quarterbacks that weren't super popular. I mean, you turn on ESPN these days, and all they talk about are those first-round quarterbacks that are drafted and what they're doing for breakfast every day and just stuff like that. So, well, that's really interesting and entertaining because that's what people want to hear. Um, and, and like what Holly was saying with uh, RG3, I mean, he was the next savior as well, and just like they talk about Lamar. And I would really like to see RG3 do something cool and fun because they talked the same way about him as some of these other dual-threat quarterbacks, and I do think he got put in a tough situation. So I wouldn't mind. I mean, they'll figure out a way to lose Lamar, definitely Flacco's team, but I wouldn't mind if RG3 got to do something good. So. All right, so uh, Holly – what do we say of the Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick and Winston show uh, in Tampa? Well, I think Uh-oh. it's time. <laughs> Just because I think Fitzpatrick, it's... you know. <laughs> I think it's time that um, that Winston really turns the corner this year. Um, I think last year he kind of took some steps backwards. And so I'm, I'm hoping that he kind of, I think I think there's enough holes there that it might be difficult for him this year. But as far as his development as a quarterback, I, I really, I think long term, if he wants to be there long term, um, being a threat, it's a quarterback driven league, um, and you have to show at least some progress, or you risk the the team starting to look for other options. So I think this is kind of his, you know play or get off the pot type of season. So we'll see how he handles that. 
All right, Bean, let's talk uh, Holly's QB here. Uh, Garoppolo played two, two full series on Saturday, and basically, minus the penalties uh, by his center, he would have been pretty, pretty much perfect. I think 10 out of 12 for 136. Mm-hmm. So I think Niner Nation is pretty excited for this guy. Uh, yeah, he's definitely doing all the right things. Uh, just to touch base on Tampa Bay, he's got to mature as a person. You know, he kind of keeps getting involved in little uh, off-the-field issues. And Garoppolo does a great job. Everything I read about him, he's just hes like a mini Tom Brady. In fact, they, some of his teammates will say he says the same things that Brady says. And he's got to study under one of the best. And so his mannerisms, and when he grew up, that was his idol, and then all of a sudden he got to play for with him. I mean, that would be crazy. That would just be crazy, I think, mentally. Um and then learn from him and be in all the same meetings and all that kind of thing. And so I think he is mature and knows how to handle himself. He shies away from uh, certain things in the press. He shies away from uh, sponsorships, products, things like that that is just too much. And I think he's really just trying to prove – I mean, we know a lot of quarterbacks in this league. They had a great few games. They get traded, make a bunch of money, and then they – flame out and so he knows he's got to prove at least I think he does he's got to prove his worth he's played really well um I think he's pretty pretty solid in his prep from what I've read about him and I think his teammates respect him and oh my gosh San Francisco needs a quarterback and a winning team so bad so they seem happy Holly what did you what did you think of Jimmy's performance pretty pretty good except for that one outstretched uh you know penalty and then but other than that, I mean, they played pretty well for the two series he was in. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, really excited about Jimmy. I think uh, 49er, um, the 49er faithful are this guy who's like Elvis to them. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not – everybody is so excited. When I went down there to watch him play uh, last year, it, it was crazy. And Dean is right. We've been starved for a quarterback. We've been starved for, you know, a winning program. And I think he's doing really well. Um, I think that interesting story uh, right now is uh, the race for the uh, second string spot. Um, I, I really think uh, Mullins has outplayed CJ so far in the preseason, um, and I think he might find himself in that second spot. So that's kind of nice to you know have some competition there. Um, and I think we also have an interesting dilemma at uh, running back. We have a lot of guys on the running back uh, depth chart that are similar style running backs. And then I really liked Joe Williams last year and he got injured and he he, he's, he might find himself on the outside looking in because we have like five or six guys that are similar and they're producing more right now. So I hope that he can kind of get that back together. Um, and I just want to call it right now uh, Jimmy G to Goodwin is going to be a huge, huge money maker all year. So if you have a fantasy league or team, that connection is going to be huge. Goodwin had a great breakout year last year, and you can just tell that when Jimmy's in trouble, he's looking for Goodwin, kind of like Russell does with Baldwin. And um, and then I also think when we added Dante Pettis, he's going to be that uh, wild card speed guy when we need some extra speed to spread out the field and some speed in uh, special teams. 
Um, I'm still concerned, similar problem to the Seahawks, where we have really good uh, young linebackers that are making plays. Um, they still need some secondary help, and we still really we have talent up front, but we're not getting to the quarterback like we really should. So I hope we can work on that this season. That's going to be huge. All right. Uh, Bean, what do you think of Deshaun Watson's uh, performance? Pretty pretty awesome. Uh, one series, 11 plays, 79-yard drive uh, to uh, Ellington. But uh, I think uh, if you're a Texans fan, you're pretty much excited for the start of the season because if the defense gets back and you get Watts back, you could see this, this team kind of uh, elevate. Oh, that just was so heartbreaking for that team last year because I think if they hadn't lost Watson, totally different outcome to their season, totally different outcome in the playoffs. I mean, it's amazing what one or two players can make a difference. It's like Dallas and not having Ezekiel Elliott the whole year, even though you got to have an offensive line to block for him. I mean, and I like uh, I like Austin – oh, gosh, Houston's quarterback – I like him. He seems like a, a good dude, that he's doing the right things, uh, is smart, trying to play within himself. I'd love to see J.J. Watts be able to come back and be full strength. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's a fun team to watch. It's interesting, those those, those dynamic uh, dual-threat quarterbacks, when they are like Russell Wilson and they learn when and how to use their legs, it's just fun to watch. It's just fun. It makes the game fun, and that's why – those quarterbacks get a lot of attention on if they can make it happen in this league because they're just exciting to watch. So I'm watching Houston this year for sure. Holly, what do we say of Annie Dalton and Cincinnati? Are they going to have like a letdown year again? Because they kind of disappoint year in, year out. They start hot yeah. <laughs> and then sort of like they just kind of phase away when it's the most important time. And then they got the Steelers. They got the new Cleveland Browns in the mix now. So, uh, I mean, they they didn't they haven't done really well in preseason the first two games of preseason. So it's got to be question marks there. Um, I think Cincinnati needs some help. I think they, <laughs> in my in my opinion, I think they they're kind. I don't know. I it's so hard because it's so hard to find your franchise quarterback. And I think Holly, be nice to Dalton. Be nice to Dalton. He's trying to get <laughs> to the next level. I I don't think that he's bad. I just think he is what he is. And sometimes in the NFL what happens is that you have to kind of decide, okay, do I need a quarterback that is going to be a Tom Brady every every bang and he's just going to take over games? Or do I need a quarterback that's just not going to screw it up? And <laughs> Dalton is somewhere in between. He's solid. He's a guy that's going to produce when he's healthy but he's not a guy that's going to be a Tom Brady. So what I'm saying basically is he needs more help. You can't put it all on Dalton. I don't think that's really fair. They've kind of done that to him the last couple of years. I think he needs some more help. And I think uh, the Bengals are probably another year or two away uh, from really competing. I think I think you're right. You know, their, their division, um, I'm not sold on the Browns yet. You know, they have talent, but they've just been so bad for so long. And my poor dad has been a Browns fan his whole life, and he always gets so excited. And and I'm like, no, I got to I got to see it when it actually happens. But the Browns, you know, I they might be on the way up, maybe. I don't think the Bengals are actually moving. I think they're just stagnant, and I think that's going to eventually move them backwards. So 
We'll see. I just don't really have a lot of faith in them right now. All right, Holly, I can tell you right now, Bud Light is sponsoring uh, beer for the first win of the season. That's what I was told by McKenzie. So if you're in Cleveland and then they win whatever win they get, the first win, there's coolers all over town. They unlock those coolers and get you free fluid. So I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be excited in Cleveland to win. Yeah. I'm going to go, you know, 0-16, that's for sure. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl. They're they're quite a ways off of that. But I think um, I'm not quite sure if the Browns have the right coaching in place quite yet, but they do have a lot more talent than they had last year, that's for sure. But we'll see. I think Troy feelings. What do you think of the Raiders and Gruden? Bean, what do you think of the Raiders and Gruden? The return of Gruden to the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, So I read that article about how he has the the seamless, not seamless, the the, the threadless balls. It's not called threads. What's it called? The the balls don't have. um, uh, What's the term? Seam. The the the, what? Oh, the seams. Yeah. Okay. Seams. Yes, they don't have. Uh, balls with seams on them because they just want the quarterback to get used to throwing them without the seams. So, uh, you know, I've read several things. John Gruden, obviously there's high hopes in, uh, for them, uh, plus moving to LA, to Las Vegas soon. You know, there's just all kinds of anticipation. He is on – he's making a ton of money. He's on the biggest pedestal of expectation. Uh, but he seems to not mind it. He said he's learned a lot. He said um, – Derek is the most. Derek Carr is the most talented QB he's ever been around, and those are good things to say if he is your QB. You know, like makes him feel good. Um, so I, I think they'll be. Carr is really good. I think they'll make the playoffs. After that, I don't know. But all right, Holly. Holly, Holly, what do you think of my Rams? Pretty piss poor two two preseason games and. I always hate losing to the Niners, no matter what, whether it's preseason or regular. Anyways, so uh, I just I, kind, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm being reserved. I'm being reserved <laughs> right now because I, I don't measure. I won't measure them until five weeks in to where we're at. But at this point, we don't look very good. Well, I would say that, but then it's also preseason. And when I was looking at the Rams, and then um, they edged out the Raiders. They didn't really, you know, they're not playing a whole lot of their starters. They're kind of at that point in the preseason where they're like, okay, let's see who we have on the second, third, you know, string and what we need to do and who we need to add and who we need to cut kind of uh, area. Because you know who your first string guys are on the rounds. They're too talented. You, you know who those guys are. And so I think at this point, I think what they're doing is they might be doing it about a week earlier than other teams. Um, but they're they're kind of saying, okay, Let's see what we really have on the back end of our um, of our roster here, and you know, don't be so hard on your Rams. Um, <laughs> that uh, John Kelly uh, had a really good day rushing the ball. Um, anytime you have a rookie that that sticks out like that, that that speaks, you know, volumes. Um, and uh, I think the Rams are, are still going to be really good. I think it's still their division uh, to win or lose. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they take uh, a step back this year because teams will be ready for them this year, but they're still really good. So you, you're fine. It's a preseason game. Don't worry about it is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm not going to be panic mode until like week five, and then at that point I'll figure it out. But 
Um, being <laughs> this this Buffalo just it's just heartache. You know what I mean? It's like they they can't seem to get together to keep a. a it's either going to be Josh Allen at this point. They're going to have to punch him in because McCarron uh, got the injury, and then so you have Buffalo in that situation, and then we have a hope in in Brownland which is the, the competition between Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, which I think more likely they're going to go with Taylor as they specify here, but that's pretty awesome competition there. Well, first of all, have you guys ever been to Buffalo? No, never. <laughs> okay. It's, 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 that's a rough place. <laughs> that's a rough place. Uh, cold, long winters, uh, those kind of things. Lots of the city is dying. Um, I guess if you have a lot of money, then you don't have to worry about that to where to live. Uh, I definitely think Nathan Peterman is not going to win that job. And so uh, I've been hearing a lot of good things by Josh Allen, uh, poise, uh, ability to make good plays. So I think they'll end up going with him there. Um, Buffalo just struggles. They got some great diehard fans, but I just think they really struggle to, other than the 90s, really struggle to get good talent up there. Uh, the Browns, I read last night that he's not even, Baker's not even taking first-team reps this week. Uh, not that Tyrod Taylor's any awesome quarterback, but like uh, Holly said, you can only go up over there. And I remember Troy having a lot of passionate feelings about the Browns and, and Cincinnati, so <laughs> too bad he's missing this one because he would love to talk about that, but. That's my thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. He, he's he's all over thinking the Browns are going to be in the up, upswing. Uh, Holly, <laughs> what do you think of McCaffrey? Pretty pretty awesome, uh, you know, preseason game. But, I mean, there's really nobody that to stop him, basically, because it's probably third stringers and all that stuff. But for Christian McCaffrey, pretty good showing there. You know, I loved him in uh, college. And when uh, the Panthers drafted him, I was really excited because I was like, you have Cam Newton and McCaffrey. Who the hell are you going to tackle? Like, they're both just huge human beings, you know, and it's hard on the defense when you have two big beasts like that. And so I'm excited that uh, that he's playing well. I I think they kind of played him as a, like a utility player last year. I want I hope that they get him more consistent looks um, because I I think. It, he's kind of a rhythm player. The more touches he gets in a consistent way, the better he gets. Or I think last year they kind of just put him everywhere, and then it's hard, especially when you're transitioning from college to NFL, and it's so much faster. The playbooks are so much thicker. It's hard to really do well when you're, you're learning a new position every two seconds. So I think this year he's going to really kind of settle in and um, have a really good season. So he's one of my favorites in the league for sure. Yeah, I, I thought he was a pretty impressive uh, preseason there for him. Um, uh, being, what do we go? What do we say to the G-men? Pretty exciting times in New York right now. If, if, if you're a New York Giants fan, you got Eli Manning back. You got Barkley, Saquon Barkley, and Odell Beckham as an offensive threat. So you got to be pretty nice there. Well, they've got to. You know, I know they did some coaching changes, and Eli has to reprove himself that he can be the leader and play well. I mean, that first handoff to uh, Barkley, the, the very first handoff of ever of his whole NFL career was awesome. Uh, yeah, you can't help but be excited. And, 
everything that I've read about him, that he's come in and just been the consummate professional. Uh, also, he cares about his brand. You know, these high-paid athletes care about their brand, but he seems to be smart about his brand, and but he, that he works really hard. So, uh, and Odell's got to come back and prove himself too. You can talk and talk and talk, but which he's really good at, if you didn't know. Um, but uh, they've they've got to do something. If they don't do something, if they don't look good, then it's not going to be good. I think they got questions on defense more so than they do on offense. We got to think offensively they're going to look okay. Um, so, Bean, let's stay with you and finish up here. Uh, Josh Rosen in the desert. I don't know if he's going to have a great season, but that, at this point, it's probably going to be rocky. Well, it depends on who's talking, I guess. I definitely think Sam Bradford has proven himself to be a good quarterback when he's healthy. He's had his injuries and has had to move around. And so I hope that he does well, kind of like when Kurt Warner went there and also Carson Palmer. They revived their careers. So Sam Bradford was a number one selection. So, yeah, I think it would be, man, the Phoenix Cardinal fans, other than the Kurt Warner year, they just – ASU's not very good, hasn't been for a long time. Cardinals struggle, generally speaking. Uh, so they, Phoenix, Arizona just needs, they need some winners. Um, but uh, Rosen, I think, is going to be a good quarterback. I just don't think he's ready yet, even though he's done some good things this year. And people have good things to say about him. But as far as people, meaning commentators and ESPN, things like that. Holly, before you get out of here, um, what is it, the dilemma in Philly? Is there even a dilemma? Is it Foles or is it Wentz at this point? Or what's your feelings there? Um, I think it's Wentz's to, to lose. But, I mean, every other team in the league is jealous of the situation they have. You have basically two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks because, let's be real, Wentz was the MVP and then Foles took over and did a great job. So you're in a great position either way you look at it. I'm assuming from everything I've read and heard that they're going to go with Wentz and see how that goes. Um, But you have to feel comfortable knowing if Wentz gets injured or is not playing well, you have Foles in your back pocket. Now, I think you're only going to be able to hold on to that situation so long you're going to have to eventually make a decision one way or the other. You know, I don't know if it's at the end of this year or or what that looks like, but what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to pay both of them, and both of them are going to want, you know, a, a bigger contract because both of them have earned it as far as the NFL is, is concerned. So I think you got to, you know, kind of count your blessings at this point, understand that this might be – a one-year deal where you have two really good quarterbacks and uh, uh, and take advantage of it, basically. Yeah, I think my feeling is the same with you. It's like they they got to figure that out. I mean, but I would go with, obviously, the proven winner that took you to the finals. Um, so, uh, Holly, are you bailing right now? Yeah, I have, to, I have to bounce, but thank you for having me on. No, we're always always appreciative of you coming on and uh, giving us your insights. And uh, we'll be here next week, and we'll we'll be talking obviously preseason week three and see how your Niners do as well. And we'll see how it turns out as we get to- closer to kickoff. All right. Well, have a good night.
Thanks, Holly. All right, Bean, let's let's go Steeler Nation here. Um, Le- Le'Veon Bell, uh, literally his backup replacement, uh, based on you know the contract and everything, the offseason that's happened with them is. But they got James Conner and James Washington, who look like really good playmakers. So there's some options for uh, Roethlisberger now going into the season. So if you're a Steelers fan, you, your uh, your high hopes are there, and a bonus is to have Le'Veon Bell back. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sure that was a big deal for Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Roth. I believe Roethlisberger is going to have a great year because I I believe that he was a little miffed about who they drafted for their quarterback and or as another quarterback, and so I think he's he's out to prove himself and and those kind of things. And he's a good quarterback, but it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of extra motivation. Kind of same with Joe, uh, Joe Flacco. So. Uh, I tend to think that they will make the playoffs. Uh, depends on the division and how the other teams do, obviously, and there's some good teams in the division, but um, I think they'll make the playoffs. they got some good talent, like you just mentioned. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's pretty exciting talent, actually. They're pretty young, and they're hungry also to prove themselves. Um, in Green Bay, you have the uh, Rodgers to Graham connection, and I think that has been already – kind of like already as a statement in the preseason that this is going to be, you know, the combination playmakers, which is basically uh, Jimmy Graham's to, you know, Rogers to Jimmy Graham. So that's a great pickup for um, the Packers. Yeah, definitely. I I also think that the playoffs would have been different if Rogers hadn't gotten hurt and missed those few games, but that's how the NFL is. It's based upon injuries. And then also I, in green Bay, I got to, I got to, Toot the horn of my my boy Jamal Williams, who is moving up into the running back ranks and doing well. He sprained his ankle this past week, um, but he's from my alumnus school and is doing his second year this year. And so I watch them to see how they're doing. So, and it's funny because I keep meeting people from Wisconsin, and recently, and you know they're all Packer fans. So those people, those are diehards up there. So I'll be watching them just because of my alumnus boy. Well, and then the, the dilemma in uh, gangrene in New York, which you don't have in the G-Men anymore, but gangrene dilemma is a mixed bag between Sam Donald and Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, Tom Bolzer pretty much has a decision to make. Uh, Bridgewater looked like the best quarterback on the roster, but we got to wait, wait and see what uh, Donald can do at, at this point and whether they're going to start him or not. But I, I'm assuming that they're going to go with uh, Bridgewater unless they trade it for Bridgewater. Gosh, I don't know. Just last night on ESPN, they seem to think that Darnold's going to do it. Now, Bridgewater has been impressive in coming back from his injury. Bridgewater was also the up-and-coming great quarterback until he got hurt. And so uh, it's interesting how quickly quarterbacks fall or and running backs, but not to the same degree as quarterbacks. Uh, they're doing great. They get an injury, and people kind of write them off. So um, that'll that'll be neck and neck. They these are still rookie quarterbacks. There's still a lot to learn. Not very many are super successful as rookies. So we'll see. No, exactly. And so, but you know, in New York, I would think they would. I don't know if they you would go with the rookie at this point given you have Bridgewater as somewhat of a veteran in a way, but it, it's a bad dilemma. I mean, New York's had this dilemma for a long time, and then they get rid of Fitzpatrick down to Tampa, and 
And so if, if you don't, and like to Troy's point, if you don't have a stable QB, your, your, your problems already are huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And everyone's just trying to find their up-and-coming QB. This year's up-and-coming QB is the flame out of next year, you know, that kind of stuff. It's so, so intense. Yeah, I, I think that's the question marks there um, in, in New York is what are they going to do? I mean, because if, if they play good defense, that's one thing. But uh, offensively, if they can't get a leader in there, same same situation you have in Buffalo right now is like where is the Bills going to be, especially after they all these changes they made. Um, let's let's finish up the preseason with obviously uh, your favorite guy, Tom Brady. Uh, he's doing his thing there. And so, uh, you know, Brady hasn't missed a beat uh, even in preseason. And this is probably just a camp mentality for him, right? Well, I got to tell you, he's not my favorite QB. It's just people like to talk about him all the time. Um, he's just a good one. He's not? And, Beanie, oh, I would think you'd be no. on the bandwagon. Oh, no. I, I, I Yeah, he. I don't like – players that get so much attention it just kind of bugs me sometimes uh not that he's not very good that's definitely he's no-brainer good uh with all of the off-season attention with that the whole franchise got and just sometimes I think people like to make up speculation about certain things and then who knows uh and then he had his show and just all that kind of stuff. Do I think that he's not going to be good this year? I still think he's going to be good. And I thought they made some pretty good off-season acquisitions. I also have some alumnus that play with them. And so, uh, yeah, everyone watches what they do because they get a ton of screen time. So uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they'll make the playoffs unless Tom Brady gets hurt, things like that. Oh yeah, I, I mean at this point, I that's probably not going to be the case. Um, let's finish up preseason here. Uh, AP goes to Troyland. I am pretty sure Troy's pretty excited, but at the same time, you have to have reservations because Adrian Peterson isn't as good as he used to be. Yeah, but I think Troy's probably pretty happy about it. I would guess. Uh, I, it could go either way, but I'd like to see Adrian have a good year. If he has a good year in, in for Washington, that's going to be a big bonus for them. A durable, reliable, yeah. uh, you know, veteran back. Oh, yeah, that that's going to be – and then with Alex Smith on top of that, yeah. if, if he gets, you know, pretty hot, uh, we could see the uh, – it's, it's, it's sort of like what Troy says. Washington fans are no different than Philly fans in a way because they expect yeah. high expectations of their quarterback play. So maybe uh, – Adrian Peterson being in the mix will kind of, you know, lessen that pressure for the quarterback. I'd like to look see it that way, definitely. I, I'm sure Troy's excited for his team because he always is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, you got you got to be stoked about it. I'm just kind of disappointed that my Rams haven't played everybody, even on a, a couple series, and I'm thinking that whole, hopefully that won't hinder us in the first week or two because you – you end up happening where you don't get enough snaps and then all of a sudden, you know, you start off poorly. And uh, last thing I want to yeah. do is have to start up poorly. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, but Holly was very hopeful for you. So I don't think you need to be <laughs> sad yet. Oh, but <laughs> Pre-season she's nothing. always hopeful for me. Maybe an L. <laughs> I know. For an L. Seriously. <laughs> it's not going to yeah, be a W. Yeah. I know. No, I, I definitely – yeah, you, she, you're right, and she's right. Where they're not going to sneak up on anybody, but it's a, it's a, 
it's a tough league. So everyone's zero and zero right now. Yeah, exactly. And I just the the preseason is so hard to gauge because you have so many things and so many changes until the the final fifty three man roster is set is really when you can start to evaluate, you know, uh, key positions and how they're going to affect, you know, uh, based on the schedule of the opponents coming up. That's really when you start to really just you know salvage. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen in the week one, but I'm 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 excited for what we have, what we got in, and what kind of playmakers we have in right now. And hopefully, golf has a great year again uh, in this sense. And but at, at the same time, our defense is solidified pretty well, so I'm pretty happy about that. So even at that, I I think even if we start slow, at some point we need to get back on on the road. Um, but you know what? It's it's so preseason that sometimes it's kind of a waste to talk about all this stuff because some of these names that we end up talking about probably never make the roster in terms of some of the playmakers. Um, but a lot of them do make the roster and there are surprises, surprises for that. Um, you guys, I really want to uh, thank everybody for going to Zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. The last two months we have been blowing up. Our uh, gridiron woman shirt is just selling like hotcakes. Uh, and then we have our other uh, shirts, uh, you know, the uh, be so good that nobody can ignore you shirt. It's just selling pretty well as well. Uh, I wonder why, but anyway, sport it and pretty much be <laughs> arrogant about it. And so, uh, but you know, all our shirts are out there. Uh, we thank Zazzle for supporting us. If you're international and you're listening to us in Europe or you're listening to us over overseas, uh, you can always go to Zazzle.com. And then at the very bottom, there's a worldwide tab. You tab the worldwide tab there and then your country code comes up and you're able to order the stuff in your country uh, dollars as well as, get it shipped to your country as well. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, and so I, I, I want to thank everybody for helping us out. And then uh, we're going to be getting pretty much a lot of players supporting our stuff coming up in the next couple months. So it's going to be great that we do that. Um, so let's go into the huddle. And uh, so let's talk to the uh, founder of the XFFL in uh, Texas, which is going to be uh, – George Kiros and the South Texas uh, General's new head coach, uh, Daniel Villapondo. And they're going to be here in the huddle and sponsored by Zazzle.com. So let's bring them into the huddle here. So George and Daniel, welcome to the Gridiron Blitz right here. You're on with uh, Luis Bean and myself, Oscar Lopez. And so uh, we're going to be just talking exciting football. We just talked an NFL preseason. I don't know if you guys are kind of getting hyped up for that, but uh, that's where we're in the mode here right now. And so uh, you guys had a great season last year, the inaugural season. So, um, George, let's talk about the success first before we, we talk about obstacles. Uh, so pretty awesome season for you guys. Yeah, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, we started off with uh, the six teams under. Three of them were fairly new. Uh, one of them that made the championship game was, uh, was out of Kingsville. That was their first season ever. And uh, they, they did very well. They probably had maybe four or five veterans on the team. Well, that's good. I mean, if you can keep maturity on a squad, that's always a bonus, um, especially in certain squads. Right. Okay. So, um, George, tell us a little bit about uh, how the XFFL started and, uh, you know, the passion to get going here with those early teams from last year. Um, tell us a little bit about how that happened and how, how the founding of the league happened. Yeah, we started way back with the uh, UWF, and uh, then from there we uh, went ahead and, and joined the IWFA. 
And those leagues play during the summer season, right? And uh, so I guess I was I was kind of tired of playing during the summer, so I thought, you know what, let's start this uh, this new league, and we'll start playing in February. And by the time summer comes around, we'll be done with our season. We get all summer off. And that's really how that came about. And um, and it worked out pretty good the first season. And so, George, was it more because – is it more because of the climate structure of Texas? Is that what exactly, your idea behind exactly. that? Yeah, there's this one place here down here in the valley and, and a, a place in Laredo where the Warhawks play. We had a game out there one time playing during the summer, 7 o'clock in the evening. It was 110 degrees. And wow. That's it, and we didn't want to do that anymore, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's not a good uh, thing for either either players or anybody. Um, so starting earlier in the season, was was it more easy for you to get facilities at this point? Is that a bonus as well? Because not everybody's playing, and there's you're you're kind of like fighting for dates and stuff like that. You know, that kind of also worked out pretty well. Uh, really, we weren't much concerned about that, but the way the season went, I mean, that was really a plus. So, as, so let me, as far as here in Corpus, it was a plus. Okay. So the regions that your league is in, uh, for those of us that are not familiar with Texas, um, what are some of the major cities that uh, your league is primarily in? We're down here in uh, in Corpus Christi where I'm at. Uh, we have Laredo, and we have um, Harlingen, McAllen, uh, and we just got a team out of uh, New Braunfels. That's right, right by San Antonio. And so so you're in the from, central from San Antonio central, uh, south, region of the south. state? Oh, you're in the south. southern right. southern region southern. of the state? Okay. What's the commute status for each team? Is it a couple hours, or is it what's what's the commuting in terms of between teams and matches? I guess the furthest they travel is maybe two and a half hours. And the, right now, the way we, we got ten teams coming in for next season, right? So we have two divisions, the north and the south, and some of them play within maybe – an hour away from each other, some of these teams. So that's not too bad of a travel span. No. I mean, that's pretty easy to know. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's get uh, Louise in here to kind of poke up some questions at you before she uh, bails on me here. Uh, so, Louise, this is the ex-FFL out of Texas, and their inaugural season was last year, and they had a pretty pretty good success. Hey, how you doing? I'm just fine. How you doing? Good. Hey, you know, I thought that you guys did a great job as far as your advertising and your just the graphics and just different things like that to attract your lead. When I first learned about it, um, I just assumed there was more teams than just the six just because of the quality of just some of that advertising. Uh, what is your – first of all, because there's other, there's other teams. There's so many teams in Texas that play women's tackle football. So why did right. you do this? Why did you feel like, yeah, basically, why did you do this and what's your goal? You know, the main focus when we started this league was on graphics. That's how we knew we were going to capture people's attention with the, with the graphics. And uh, I guess the goal right now is to eventually, um, I guess, reach the 12 teams, and then we're just going to cut it off right there and keep it that way. Um, right now, it's not much about – I guess not much about making, you know, I guess into a business, right, more recreational. But further down the line with what I have planned, you know, that's that's what we intend to do with the league. So why did you do it? 
versus just join in with some other because you guys don't play eleven on eleven, correct? And isn't it a smaller field? No, man, no. Right, it's a fifty-yard field. Okay, but it's outdoors, and so what made you guys do it this way versus just join elevens? Uh, well, we have an eleven-man football team here, eleven women football team here in Corpus, and it really didn't work out very well, I guess, because. Uh, I guess they have to travel to different states, right? And then just mm-hmm. itself, the ladies having to get, you know, time off of work and then, you know, just to travel in itself. And that, that's why we see that that didn't kind of work. So doing it this way, I think it's going to work a lot better. And, and it has. I mean, this first season went, went by fairly well. So how many girls were on each roster, basically? And were they all pretty equal rosters, or did you feel like one team? Because you had certain teams that were obviously much better than the other teams. So what – what made the difference? Right. Um, we had teams with as little as uh, our minimum is 15 to a roster, okay. right? And uh, the maximum is 30. So there was uh, there was probably one team out there, which was the Generals. They had their 30. And then we had teams that had their 15, 16 girls. Okay. And so, that yeah, that makes a difference. Um, yeah, it does. And so how many teams are you going to have this coming year? Uh, as of now, we have 10. Hopefully, we get to 12, and we're going to just cut it off there. And what's the furthest travel, then, that each that any one team would have to do? I, like, I'm not familiar with Texas, like he was, Oscar was saying. You know, I guess the furthest travel would be uh, maybe two and a half hours for a team okay. to play somewhere. And, and yeah, that, that's the first. Corpus is probably the center point. So, from any direction, if if we have the championship game here, which we're not sure yet, it's probably going to be two and a half hours for a team to get here. Okay. Well, that's not bad at all. So. No. It definitely um, – does each team function as their own franchise as the same way as other women's football teams do? Yes, ma'am. Or do you guys give out money? Okay. I just didn't know if it was a uh, league funded in any way. No, each team has its own, uh, its own owner. Um, but you you have a league, and so they have to follow the guidelines. I mean, everyone has to live by a similar set of guidelines. Okay. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. All right. So my last question is, what was your favorite moment out of the whole year? Um, or best thing? Well, I guess uh, my favorite moment is probably uh, the All-Star Game, just watching all these teams come together, which is really what this league is all about. Um we get the teams to play together and the girls meet each other. It's not like, you know, they're out there and they're, you know, on the field, they battle, but afterwards it's like they have a blast together. And so a lot of these girls tend to meet each other, especially in this league, and that's our main focus with the coaches, are, you know, getting to know each other and getting along with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really is the great part about the sport and just all those kind of things. Well, I think that's awesome. That was that's interesting that you chose went with a different model and a different approach to it that you felt like would be successful because I think sometimes people in this sport seem to think, okay, there's only one way that success can be identified. And if it's not the way that they think, then they think it's going to be a failure. Or if it's not what they're used to, then it's not going to work. And I just think that takes some thinking outside the box. And girls want to play football. We've seen that. Oh, yeah. On Oscar's show, we've seen that nationwide, we've seen it worldwide, and girls want to play football. So that's really cool that you are providing that opportunity for them in a capacity that they can. That's going to work. At least it sounds like it's going to work. I mean, at least the travel 
travel is always an issue for the eleven man squad. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Way to go, way to go, good job. All right, thank you, appreciate it. All right, uh, Louisa, you bailing, right? I gotta go. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll Oscar. catch you. I'll catch you next week then. Um, yep. We'll be talking NFL week three, so have a great okay. weekend. Safe travel. Thanks. Bye. All right. So, uh, uh, Daniel and uh, George, if you guys have your radios on, you guys can turn them down a little bit because I think we're getting a little static on the phone. So I don't know if you guys have radios in the background or what, but um, but let's go. Let uh, George, let's go to Daniel before I, I poke more more questions to you. So Daniel. Uh, Obviously, the South uh, Texas Generals had a very successful first season, uh, a lot of a lot of good success there. So, what's your uh, goal for year two? Um, uh, honestly, it's just to repeat. Um, you know, that's that's going to be our our team goal. But it's really just to keep the team, uh, I guess, in, in a way to keep building that family model that we have. A lot of us, well, the, the girls are real close. They're they're, they're pretty much like best friends. So as long as we bring in our new recruits and the recruits, you know, pretty much become a part of that family, you know, teach the game. That That's something that we really emphasize on. And yes, we want to win games. That's the goal. But in the reality, we want to teach the game the right way, and that's just the best thing we can do. And that's, hopefully we, we continue to do that. So, Daniel, as a coach uh, with the new league two years in, um, you got to take pride in the fact that this is a foundation stage. You know, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, the NFL was founded in 1930, but didn't really make an impact until like the 1980s. So everything literally is going to take a lot of work to get to visibility for fans to get to, to notice your brand. And so as a coach, uh, is that the first, first thing for you is the foundation, the, the fundamentals, the basics uh, of how it has to be played the right way? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in, in making sure that our coaches, the coaching staff that we bring in isn't just, you know, a lot of hooping and hollering. It, it's It's got to be, you know, stripped down from the feet up, you know, every single thing. And even when it comes to the league, you know, right away they, they start putting out graphics and, and uh, they started putting out promo videos and, you know, doing things the right way. And, you know, George reflects a lot on that. And that's kind of why we wanted to come into this league is because it was being built from the bottom up. Daniel, uh, what success did you have prior to this, or where, where what was your coaching background at this point? Uh, I started in the UWF also with George. Uh, we were in, I was on a separate team. I started with the the Rio Grande Valley Cheetahs. We had a pretty good year. Um, they were coming off a a pretty crazy year. Um, we ended up going to the championship game. Then we went into the IWFA as the Generals. We ended up rebranding. Uh, two years after that, we kind of branched away. And a lot of people went their own way. So two years coaching women, uh, this will be my fourth year. So, you know, it's pretty much just been through that. So, uh, Daniel, can you relate to having too many sisters and and somewhat of a drama-filled week sometimes? (laughs) Uh, No, you know, I'm blessed with one older brother. Um, So I really didn't, you know, know what to expect. But after a whole bunch of years of of coaching uh, the girls, we kind of, the same core has already stuck together. So we're kind of all best friends. And it's it's been uh, a great experience. And having them stay with the team is kind of reflecting on that. But, uh, no, not so much drama as far as that. You know, the girls girls do get feisty out there. You know, it's football. It is what it is. But, 
uh, it's really fun to, to see it unfold. Now, different from the 11-man, uh, the coaching style is always different when you go uh, sevens to eights to nines. So uh, is that something you had to make an adjustment? Uh, we were actually blessed, um, myself, mainly my older brother, uh, my defensive coordinator, uh, and my other defensive, basically our co-defensive coordinators, they came from a professional arena background here in the Rio Grande Valley that played on a team. I was blessed enough to play on, on a separate team as well. And so we kind of transitioned very well into arena, that kind of that eight-on-eight eight feel. So we actually didn't really go through much of a transition phase. We actually, you know, relished in it and we enjoyed it a lot, the whole eight-on-eight eight feel. So, Daniel, the recruitment stage, is it flag-related to get somebody to try out for your team or to go full kit in this regard because of the cost? A lot of players go flag because of the cost, but then when you get to the stage, uh, I was talking to George off-air about how it's get, uh, you're trying to structure the league to where it's not as costly to play the game. So is that something of a benefit you think that some of the players kind of like? Uh, I, I believe so. I mean, uh, we, we do our best to help out as much as we can when it comes to equipment. You know, we, we, hope, we push for the girls to get sponsorships. We try to get team sponsorships. You know, that's always a big thing, the cost of it. And, of course, you know, once you put on the helmet and pads, it's a whole different story. So it's kind of hard to push the girls, but we've been blessed in the recruiting stage. Our girls, our team captains do a great job in that. They, they really, really do. So, Daniel, looking forward to year two, uh, obviously more teams than the first year. Yes, sir. So a lot more challenges ahead, a lot more scouting, yes. a lot more work, all that stuff, you know, more long hours and, I don't know, maybe some more monsters and Red Bulls, as they say. Uh, but it's going to get to yes, a situation sir. where, you know, uh, you get to a point where, it's bigger competition, a lot more. So uh, where is the general stands right now in terms of what you see in terms of off-season work that you got to do? Uh, I mean, we were blessed to start our off-season work. Um, just, you know, we pretty much already started. We're going through our workouts. The team captains that we have, you know, we're led by a real good core. Um, they, they kind of check everybody and police each other. Um, you know, we relish the whole, the, the more competition, the better. After all, that, that's what the whole league's about. Um, as far as, as where the offseason is at, the girls, they buy into it. They're, they're 100% bought in. You know, the, their biggest thing when, when it comes to the rookies, it's just, you know, the contact eventually here and there. But right now, we're looking really, really good, and we're we're pretty excited for it. All right. So, uh, George, it sounds like you guys have a, a nice foothold in the region area, and you're not branching out any further than you need to for logistic purposes. So that's a smart move on your behalf. And, and considering right. that nobody makes money in this sport <laughs> most of the time, uh, that's got to be good to keep kind of like in an area where you're going to make some money. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, social media presence, George. What was the, the thought process before you launched? Again, it was a, our, our number one thought process was, was graphics. And uh, I got to hand that to our graphics designer, Santiago Cruz. He's done a, a great job with that. And he's the one that, that came up to me with that idea. He said, you know, image is everything. And uh, we just took off from there. And we're going to continue to grow off of that. You know, we're just going to, you know, keep making things bigger and better for next season. George, um, in terms of Facebook Live or a live streaming and things like that, is that a discussion within the owners this past season since you're growing to a bigger scale in terms of 12 teams? You know what, that's, that is something that, that uh, we want to do eventually. 
and we've thought about that. There's this one uh, company down here called Real Sports Live that we're trying to get with, and that way they can stream our games from there. So it's a, it, most of a cost issue, uh, obviously, that you have to work out, uh, or maybe a sponsorship give-and-take deal for, with everybody. But uh, So, um, George or Daniel, either of you guys can speak to us. What are the names that uh, year one that our audience needs to be familiar with in terms of, you know, a quarterback, a defensive player, uh, an offensive running back? Who, who are we going to look forward to in year two that we have to keep an eye out on? in terms of as we cover your league? Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, George uh, go ahead and go with his team first. Oh, I mean, I, I can name someone from, uh, I guess, from Kingsville, Isela. Um, I can't remember her last name off of that, but then we have one with the Divas called Misty Torres. You know, unfortunately, we have a lot of girls that ain't playing with the team anymore for different reasons, but uh, Misty Torres is one that has stuck around with us for a while. And she's someone to look for for next season, look out for. And then, uh, of course, the generals, they have several girls there that that Daniel can tell you about. Uh, Yeah, honestly, we're we're really blessed with the vets. Um, You can go from the MVP, it's it's Brenda Montemayor. Um, Just about any time she touches the ball, it's going to pretty much be a touchdown. Um, We do have a really good, you know, H-back. Her name's Andrea uh, Roldan. She's, I, I, in my opinion, she's one of the best athletes in the league. Um, I wish she was on a bigger stage just so people can see how great she is. Um, you know, the veteranship that we have is real good. It's from the offensive line to the defensive line. We, we take a lot of pride in that. So a lot of the names that you're talking about, are we talking about a uh, youth stage between the 20 and 38 stage, or are we talking older stage in terms of uh, years? Uh, my players, they're definitely they're under 30, the ones I just mentioned. But we do have, you know, the older vets that, that pretty much police everything and take care of everything. Uh, you know, they can give and take just as much as the young girls. And, you know, sometimes they check the younger ones uh, the right way. So, George, in terms of press uh, around the region, um, you don't, you're not the only league because we have obviously bigger leagues in Texas. You're not the only league because there's probably youth high school, there's semi-pro and all this. So as a business penetration, uh, your thought process has to be you have to find something that makes your brand stand out from everybody else because I think Texas is pretty much a sports-driven state, right? Right, right. Uh, Again, I mean, I I don't know how much I can stress about the image that – Santiago and I have talked about. Um, really, it's it's a lot has to do so much about our graphics, and that's what we focus on, and uh, you know to make this league grow. Uh, we want to, of course, uh, we've talked about the uh, you know having a player of the week every week, an offensive player of the week, a defensive player of the week. That way, these girls can get notoriety that way. Now, you uh, off air, you were talking about a concept that's very different from traditional fundraising that women's tackle football does here in the States and somewhat teams overseas. Um, you were talking about incorporating uh, a mini business within the football business to create revenue versus having to do ticket sales. So that's a big deal too, right? Right, right, right. And, and that is, uh, you know, I purchased a, a food truck that we can have at the game 
so the people don't have to, well, as a matter that that's here with the divas with the Corpus Christi divas. Uh, the people don't have to pay a, a cover charge to come in. They can just come in, and then uh, our revenue will be off of the food truck. And so they don't have to yeah. worry about, you know, paying a $10 ticket or anything like that. So you're really your revenue stream is going to be coming out mm-hmm. of a fan base that loves your product more so than anything. And then, obviously, you're going to, right. take, a, you're going to take advantage of, of some of the, uh, you know, delicious delicious drinks and food that that – People obviously don't get to see in certain stadiums all the time, so that's really good for that. Um, what is what is the uh, the vision that you have, George, in terms of a player to get paid to play? Because that is the biggest challenge in this sport. I mean, the the women's traditional game and, and the eleven uh, eleven man squads have been working at this for thirty years, and they've not been able to find a formula of how to get a player paid to play, and so. That is a challenge I think that every league has. Uh, it's something that has to be penciled in probably at the very bottom because at the beginning there's no way you can do that, but it's something that's right. in the back of everybody's mind in terms of owners. You know, I, actually I've talked about this with some of my older players from, from season two and three, you know, that eventually I would love to be able to pay a player. Um, uh, and uh, at one time we thought, okay, with ticket sales, you know, maybe they can earn some money that way. Uh, now um, that's my vision to pay the coaches and the player, even if it's their, uh, get, you know, their travel for gas gets another game. Um, and not not just my players, but players throughout the league. It's, a, it's an obstacle that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, have to take on as, a, as an issue. But on a business side, it really becomes a side note. And I always tell everybody, if you're running a business, uh, that's an expenditure. So if you're going to do expenditure, you really have to make sure your revenue is coming in strong in order for you to even do an expenditure. So it's a really good goal to have that way in terms of what you're having. But, you know, reality is this, you're in year two, uh, so we're not going to get ahead here. But year two seems like it's going to be very exciting for you, George, because you're expanded to 12. Stability is there. It looks like there's a lot of interest in terms of your league, and that's good for recruitment and for roster sizes and to maintain a roster size um, because of injuries right. that happen during the season. Sometimes, you know, your 30-man squad literally does get down to 20 because of what happens. Sure. So you really yeah, have to exactly. recruit more like 40 players on each team just to just to be rostered correctly for the season. So, uh, Daniel, what, what do you think the ideal roster is? Is it 40, do you think, at this point? Is that what you guys are looking for for every team in the league? Uh, yeah, uh, as of now, we do have 40-plus at practice. Um, I know the the league, we just had a league meeting. Um, I was kind of pushing for the idea of a of a practice squad just because, you know, injuries do happen, uh, you know, kind of in the NFL or an arena. You dress 30, but, you know, you have those extra players. That's because of those instances. And, you know, sometimes family issues happen, especially in semi-pro football. But, uh, you know, recruiting is a huge thing. Um some of the teams are, are based in smaller towns, so it, of course it's difficult for a team to show up with 16, and then uh, another team shows up with 35 plus. But I would love for 40 plus, you know, roster size. That that would be great. You know, we're just we just got to hope that the recruiting gets a little bit better. Now, George, given Daniel's point here, not every market is sustainable for a full roster. So, is that something you guys are starting to look into? Where Maybe the roster is a 30, and then you're only suiting up 15? 
Right. Well, we keep the roster at 30, and and that's exactly what he talked about. That's exactly why we keep it at 30, because some of these uh, these new markets, like uh, I guess we have the Tri City Sun Devils. They've never had a football team. We're just starting a football team there, so it's kind of new for everyone there, and it's kind of difficult for for these girls to come out here and try it. Um, these other teams, uh, I guess like the, the Spartans themselves. Uh, they had a you know pretty difficult time also you know getting some girls on the team because there's a, there's other uh, there's other teams around there also in a different league and then uh, of course Kingsville I mean the Empire they they really didn't have a problem I guess they're it's more like a college town there. So are you evaluating market per market and uh, are you putting any teams on hiatus going forward in terms of they can't meet the qualifications or the minimum roster size? You know, right now. It seems like uh, the one on the bubble is the Sun Devils, the Tri City Sun Devils. Uh, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have enough girls this season, but going forward after that, we're not sure how many girls they're gonna be able to bring in. So I'm saying, are you are you prepared to, as a founder or uh, as as owners and and basically as a collective, are you guys as owners are you prepared to basically shut down a team until the roster size can be met because that also comes into liability because you're trying to play a sport with minimal uh, players. And at some point you get a tragic, bad situation that happens. Right. You don't have right. Absolutely. So you have you to know, think of for, liability. For the, yeah, absolutely. For the safety of the, of the ladies out there playing, you know, we don't want them going out there with 13, 14, 14 ladies. So uh, if we have to, then we'll just have to um, do away with the sun devils and then, you know, next season or whatever, bring in a different team. So, George, I, you, Daniel, uh, in the traditional 11-11 team, we, we get a lot of forfeits. And I think the reason for forfeits is the travel cost is too much or the roster has too much injuries. So um, you guys didn't have – I don't think you guys had a forfeit this first season. So the anticipation of a forfeit, uh, is that something you guys take into account week to week or have conversations with each individual owner about how it's going in terms of a season? Because – as a fan, you never want to see a forfeit because that just kind of makes you feel like right. you're not all complete, you know? Right. That That's exactly why we want to keep the travel at a minimum. And we actually did have one forfeit last, last season. That was because uh, the refs didn't show up for some reason. So that, that was the only forfeit we had. So that's more of a league yeah. uh, concern than anything, right? It wasn't really a, an ownership or a, a, ra- a roster right, issue. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that you know, that's something that can be corrected in that sense. All right. Um, so um, George, speak to the playoffs. Uh, you guys had really good, good, good semifinals, and then obviously you had the final. Can you speak to the semifinals? Uh, for the upcoming season? No, for this for the, uh, first uh, this first year, uh, the, the semifinals. Uh, Pretty exciting semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and. Uh, Unfortunately, the Divas got beat by the Empire. Uh, Again, the Empire was something unexpected. I mean, before the season started, you know, they were predicted to be pretty much at the bottom. And this team came up and just every week just played harder and harder and harder and made it all the way to the championship game. On the other side, it was the Generals with the Warhawks. And, uh, I mean, the the Generals just pretty much dominated the whole season. this coming uh, this upcoming season, I'm sure it's going to be a lot, a lot more intense. We're going to have uh, 
we're actually going to have a wild card game, then the the playoff game, and then the championship game. So the format is more uh, more structured to similar to the NFL, where you're getting exactly, uh, yeah. you know two teams two teams to edge in, and then the standard teams to compete, and then you get the finals. All right. Um, so right. you guys, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, kind of giving us your insights in terms of what's going on with your league. It seems like an exciting time for you guys, especially going into year two. Um, I I hope that you guys keep up your uh, promotions and everything else uh, on social media in, in general. I think everybody was kind of blown away for what you guys were able to kind of craft and create and put together. And uh, the product looks very professional. So a credit to everybody in terms of ownership and league as well. And then on field play is, you know, credit to the coaches and to the players, of course, and that, that all goes hand in hand to uh, um, put together a, a really good brand. So it's uh, all to, uh, encompasses, you know, the, the same goal, which is to get noticed and, and eventually, uh, you know, pay to play for everybody, not just, uh, you know, right. the players, but the coaches and obviously the owners and everything else. So a profitable business is what the goal is. So, um, George, I really thank you for coming on and making the time. I know you're a busy man and everything. And then, Daniel, I wish you success in year two. A lot more competition coming up for you guys this year and defending the title. So it's going to be pretty tough for the 2019 season, but uh, looking forward to it. Um, George, what is the tryout date coming up? Is it February, January? What are we looking forward to? Uh, for tryouts, that's up to the individual team. I know the uh, the Divas, they have a trial coming up in September. Okay, the, the exact date, I'm not sure yet. For the generals, okay, so all, believe, the teams, uh, so all the teams are in off-season mode right now then? So they're all pretty much in getting right. ready for tryouts for the winter time as well? Right. Exactly. Okay, exactly. perfect. So uh, give us your social sites so that we know where to follow you. Um, you know, give us the sites so that everybody can dive into your brand. Oh, we, we just have a Facebook page right now. It's uh, Extreme Female Football League. Are you guys on Instagram or on Twitter or anything like that? No, actually, we're, we're going to be sending that up here shortly. Okay. So I strongly recommend Twitter and Instagram. It's a great uh, great way to kind of spotlight every team. And obviously, I'm pretty sure you have plenty of players on your team that use Instagram and, and Twitter and everything else that's uh, out there on oh, social yeah. media. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty right. sure you can find somebody that kind of do your thing out there. Um, so Daniel and uh, George, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to another chat as we get into in season, as we get into the February through uh, uh, January, February scope. And we'll, we can touch base again and see where you're at in terms of the excitement build up for the new season. So appreciate you guys' time and uh, I'm looking forward to another chat. All right. Thank you. No really appreciate sir. it. All right, guys, uh, so that was George uh, Kuros, founder of uh, and head coach of the Corpus Christi Divas and founder of XFFL. And then that was Daniel Villapando, head coach of the South Texas Generals. And they're going to an exciting season, 2019, as their first year was very exciting. Check out their Facebook page at XFFL. Um, just plug it in and you can see it. Extreme uh, Female Football League out of Texas. Uh, pretty exciting. And the uh, Congratulations to them for their success. Um, I want to just give a shout-out to um, Lovey Tovar out there for recovering, and she's being spotlighted on her soccer team out there. Um, so congratulations to her, our Nojo football athlete, Lovey Tovar, as well. And she's uh, amazing there. And so, uh, like I said, go to Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Get the daily specials there. 
order your shirts as well. Don't forget to like us on Facebook for weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories. And then you can follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty for daily updates, health tips, and NFL news. NFL news coming up strong. And uh, add us on Snapchat for uh, athlete takeovers and no-joke football brand specials as well. Follow us on Instagram as Amazing Athletes and Moments and Women's American Football are portrayed out there. Check out our Instagram right now and, uh, and check it out on Instagram itself from our Facebook page as well. You can link it out that way. So you guys have been listening to the best podcast covering women's American football and NFL News Weekly right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, and Block Talk Radio. So you can follow us here. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating out there. If you like our show, like our co-host, anything in that sense, leave us a rating, uh, negative or positive. We want to improve our podcast as much as possible. Uh, shout out once again to the Helsinki Wolverines of the uh, Maple League in, the, in Finland. Helsinki Wolverines 55-12 to defeated the St. Petersburg Valkyries to win the Maple League 2009 championship uh, back-to-back champions. They are looking forward to the Pro Cloud transatlantic matchup against the New York Sharks and the Birmingham Lions coming up here in another couple weeks. And this weekend, huge weekend, uh, Maximo Avance and Tercer Cuarto got, got us covered. Stay tuned to our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. It is the second annual uh, Federation of Mexican-American Football Selection Tournament. Uh, FX Mexico looking to defend their title. It is a uh, team squad of 12, and we'll be looking forward to it as well. So coming up uh, this weekend, big-time football, Mexico, and also Legends Football League Conference Championship Finals, Los Angeles Temptation versus the Austin Acoustic, as well as Chicago Bliss taking on the Nashville Knights. So it's pretty exciting uh, action coming up in the women's game all over the globe. So uh, for the absent uh, Holly Custis, Tracy Brick, Luis Bean, Troy Wilson, and Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez saying here, we'll catch you here next week, right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in and Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.